WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, WABC News Time, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, March 30th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, but cooler than it has been. High 48. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 37. Friday, clouds. Afternoon showers. High 56. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it is 33 and clear in Glen Cove, 35 in Asbury Park, and just 32 and clear in Midtown. You'll notice right away when you walk out the door that there's a little bit of a chill in the air, like winter time, but it is opening day for the Yankees, which is huge around here. But I, yeah, I got to be honest with you. All I can think about is the episode of Thousand Pound Sisters that I watched last night. If you are not watching this, I know <laughs> my wife thinks I'm nuts that I sit and watch all this nonsense. But last night's episode, if you don't know, it's these two sisters who both weigh in. Well, when uh, when the show started, they both weighed in at over 500 pounds. So that's the Thousand Pound Sisters. And they're unbelievably fascinating to watch. And it's just the, just the camaraderie and it's just a fun show to watch. And at one point, um, it's uh, Tammy, uh, rather Amy lost a couple hundred, like 200 pounds. But, um, but Tammy gained the weight so they could still be Thousand Pound Sisters. Like one was 300 pounds, but then the other one was 700. So they could still keep the title. I don't know where they stand right now. But last night's episode, Tammy, who went to this weight loss clinic to lose weight and has lost weight, met a guy there and they got married there. <laughs> they had to wait for the bingo to end in the community center for them to have the wedding. But um, I don't know. That's all I'm thinking about this morning. All right. Uh, I should probably do news because that's what they pay me to do. Here are the headlines. The top five at five. There was an emotional vigil for those killed in the Nashville school shooting. NYPD cops looking for a crew of thieves that are drugging and robbing New Yorkers. The MTA has brought in a psychiatrist to help make your subway ride safer. And Governor Cuomo talking about all of his scandals last night right here on 77 WABC. All right, let's uh, jump into it at 5.03. This is breaking news overnight. Several deaths reported after two U.S. Army Black Hawk helicopters crashed during a training incident in Kentucky last night. Two aircraft from the 101st involved in this accident unfolded about 11 o'clock our time. This was a little west of the Army base in Fort Campbell. Kentucky State Police still on the scene, even at this hour, of this helicopter crash, along with military investigators and several other agencies, unfortunately, it does not look good. They are telling us there are several casualties. Of course, as more information comes into us, we will pass it on to you. Then last night, victims of this week's deadly school shooting in Nashville were remembered. In a vigil at Nashville, lots of people showing up, including First Lady Jill Biden. Our heart is broken. Our city united 
as we mourn together. That's uh, Nashville Mayor John Cooper with a group of mourners, candlelight vigil, public park in Tennessee's capital city. Cooper calling Monday's massacre at the Covenant School their worst day ever. Cooper had a message for those first responders, those brave ones, no doubt. You've seen the video. Our city and our whole nation is so proud of you. Your service inspires all of us. You are our heroes. Your bravery will never be forgotten. Nashville Police Chief, who we've become very familiar with at this vigil as well last night. An extreme tragedy, and this is certainly one. Nashville comes together like no other place to comfort those who have suffered an unspeakable loss. And in one of those weird things that happens during some of these stories, uh, actress Melissa Joan Hart. You'll remember uh, she was in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, a couple other iconic 90s shows. Uh, She happened to be driving by when this Nashville shooting was taking place, and she actually met up with some of these kids who were escaping the building. We moved here from Connecticut, where we were in a school a little ways down from Sandy Hook. So this is our second experience with a school shooting with our um, kids being in close proximity. Luckily, we are all okay, but we did. My husband and I were on our way to school for conferences, and uh, luckily our kids weren't in today, and uh, we helped a class of kindergartners across a busy highway that were climbing out of the woods that were trying to um, escape the shooter situation at their school. So we helped all these tiny little little kids cross the road. Yeah, you can hear how emotional it was for her. Uh, down in Washington, of course, the debate over gun control continues. Uh, uh, so this is Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, saying it's unacceptable for members of Congress to say there's nothing they can do to curb this gun violence. I asked Republicans, what are you going to say to the families in Nashville at this elementary school who lost their loved ones, three adults, three nine-year-olds. She had a message for Republicans. Republicans in Congress need to show some courage. And if they had courage, they would be introducing legislation on banning assault weapons today. And back here in New York, students, teachers marching for peace in Brooklyn yesterday, about 100 taking part in this rally against gun violence in Williamsburg in their neighborhood in front of their own school. It's the Williamsburg Charter High School. The roaring sound of a bullet scares me, thinking one day that could be me. Yeah, uh, hearing that, of course, from a lot of kids over the last couple days, including my own, who had some questions to ask about the shooting and obviously an uncomfortable conversation, but one that you have to have. Uh, Police say two separate robbery crews have drugged and robbed more than and 40 people in Manhattan in recent months. 77 WABC's Alex Barnard has the latest on that, and he joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Yeah, good morning, Noam. That's right. Authorities say one of the crews is behind the deaths of two gay men, Julio Ramirez and John Umberger, who were drugged and killed after visiting bars in Hell's Kitchen. At the time of his death, Umberger's mom spoke to NBC4 New York. Just want to see these people off the streets. Meantime, authorities are still investigating the death of fashion designer Katie Gallagher in what the medical examiner said was a drug overdose-related murder. City Council member Eric Botcher weighed in on her death also on NBC4 New York. It's a terrible tragedy, and it's yet another sign that there are people out there seeking to victimize New Yorkers. So we're urging people to exercise extreme caution. And we're calling for justice for the people who committed these crimes. 
Officials say they've caught at least six suspects. They add that the gangs included more than a half a dozen suspects who allegedly robbed 17 victims. So they're drugging them with what? Do we know? Is it like a, a it's not clear. cocktail drug or something like that? Or Yeah, it's not really clear what they're drugging them with, but basically... Over the past few months, there have been several of these cases where people have been surreptitiously um, drugged during uh, at nightclubs where they will just pour massive amounts of narcotics into into their drink, and then they will steal their wallets or sometimes their digital banking information. And since they're not really dosing them out properly, some of these some people five in total have have died. Yeah, how horrendous. All right, WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. WABC News Time 510. Investigators on the hunt for a man they say is responsible for more than two dozen burglaries targeting businesses across Staten Island. The latest incident, March 20th at the Bodega Deli and Grocery, the owner of that vegan eatery posting a picture of the smash glass saying the break-in would not break his spirit. But he had warnings for uh, any other shopkeepers across Staten Island that this guy is out there. Pull your gates down. Uh, don't leave any money in the register. You know what I'm saying? If this guy is do- 25 burglaries, let him waste his time now. The fact that he just gets away and just nothing really happens is kind of upsetting, you know? Not only for us, but everybody else as well. Yet the amazing thing is he's been targeting some businesses numerous times. In case of the Craft House, which is on Venduzer Street, three times they've been robbed by the same guy because they have pictures of him now and they still can't catch him. It was around the holiday time so you know we were like you know coming to work looking you know knowing that's gonna be a busy day and then you know just just having that extra pressure on you just really wasn't that good you know just knowing that someone came in and then you're very paranoid as well yeah of course the burglar has also hit at least five businesses along a stretch of forest avenue in each case always going straight for the cash registers at the restaurants small grocery stores and delis leaving those owners feeling violated i always thought people took the cash out at the end of the night but apparently some places they don't do that. Screw that dude, you know, let's catch him because we work hard for our money. Um, so he shouldn't be out there stealing from people who are community folks and providing jobs. Yeah, so investigators have good pictures of this wanted man asking the public for help tracking him down. Out to Long Island, a father Long Island suing his daughter's school for negligence for not protecting his kid after she was attacked by a classmate. Ezra Hoyt says he won't send his daughter back to Central Islip High. She's only 14 in ninth grade, was thrown to the ground, beaten by a classmate. This took place about two weeks ago. And of course, like kids are doing these days so often with these attacks, somebody videoed it, put it up on social media. So now they are suing the school for not protecting his daughter. Here he is. Emotionally, she's like just distraught. Pain in her head and the, the, the breathing, the hard, she having a hard time breathing. Of course, uh, Suffolk County police say her attacker, 14 as well, charged with third degree assault, released back to her mother. But uh, what the school hasn't said is what's become of the boy who clearly recorded this whole attack and egged on the attack. The school district also not commenting on the pending litigation, but it does have a safety plan, they say, that's supposed to include hallway monitors. There was no hallway monitor in sight on the day of this attack. Here is the family's lawyer. And if you look in the video, there's nobody anywhere nearby to help this young lady who was being assaulted. And by the way, talking to other students at the school, they said, unfortunately, this seems to be a regular occurrence. People fighting all the time, people like arguing or screaming in the halls. It's like, I'm used to it, but I don't, that don't mean I-
and this is happening everywhere. I mean, don't think it's just in dangerous neighborhoods. Out on Long Island, this is amazing. Four other students stabbed in and around Long Island high schools just this week. Just this week in Uniondale. Uh, we told you about that one in Lindenhurst at the middle school on Monday and in Riverhead. Just this week, four people stabbed. How crazy is that? 514, Mayor Adams says lawmakers in Albany need to understand the strain the migrants are putting on the budget here in New York City. Adams says every city agency is going to have to make tough decisions for their bottom line. We have a $4.2 billion uh, you know, bill that came out of nowhere. And... Every service in the city is going to be impacted. Yeah, some New Yorkers concerned, of course, about the funding for uh, food pantries as the COVID-related food benefits have expired. Food banks expect a spike in need. Adams are saying New York is trying to get creative in hopes of ways to find and secure private and public dollars for these organizations. What are we taking in? 52,000 migrants since last May. So, of course, it's put a strain on the budget. We're looking for for them to go through their negotiation process. And the and receive the funding that we we deserve to receive to deal with this crisis. Yeah. So every agency, these leaders of those agencies, now going back, figuring out where they cut. Not going to be an easy process. And we have to make these tough decisions. And our goal is to do what we have been doing, of uh, find out how do we minimize the pain. But we're all going to receive some pain. By the way, getting little help from the state or from the feds uh, dealing with this migrant problem. Problem. 515 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk to say good morning, Justin Ella. Well, good morning, Noam Lidden. Happy Thursday. Happy Friday Eve, if you will. At the Garden, the Knicks made it two straight wins with their 101-92 to victory over the Miami Heat. Emmanuel quickly scored 24 points, and Quentin Grimes had 23 as the Knicks inch closer to a playoff berth. Jalen Brunson eased back in a action with 12 points after his two-game absence, but the win wasn't priceless as the Knicks lost another star in Julius Randle, who left the game late in the first half with a sprained left ankle. Head coach Tom Thibodeau spoke after the game on the status of Randle. Uh, we'll be evaluated tomorrow. It's, it's a sprain, so that's about the extent of it, so we'll see, see where he is tomorrow. They, they didn't. They just said sprained ankle. Take a look at it. We, uh, Go, go from there. Up next for the Knicks is a trip to Cleveland to tip it off with the Cavaliers tomorrow night. In Brooklyn, the Nets grabbed a win as well, besting the Houston Rockets by a score of 123-114. to It's about time we had a Brooklyn-leading score not named Mikael Bridges, and that was Cam Johnson last night with his 31 points in 36 minutes on the floor. Bridges was no slouch either, going for 27 en route to the win, thanks in part to the aforementioned Knickerbockers. The Nets lead over the Miami Heat for the number 6 spot in the East, grows to 1.5 games. We'll see if that lead will continue to swell. Come tomorrow night when the Nets host the Atlanta Hawks over to the ice where the Islanders squeaked out a 2-1 road victory over the Washington Capitals. It took a shootout for the Isles to seal the deal in this one with Kyle Palmieri, uh, Palmieri eventually bearing the eventual winner. Tender Elias Sorokin would deny Washington's Nicholas Backstrom thereafter and the Isles take the win to Tampa where they'll face it off with the Lightning on Saturday. Now looking ahead to ice hockey action tonight. Rangers and Devils, they get set to go head-to-head in Jersey at 7 p.m. And of course, today is opening day in Major League Baseball. Your Yankees, they get set to welcome in the San Francisco Giants for a 1.05 p.m. first pitch. The Giants will throw out Logan Webb going up against the Yanks Garrett Cole and the Mets of course for 10 p.m. first pitch this afternoon. They'll throw out Max Scherzer going up against the Miami Marlins Sandy Alcantara. 
So that's sports on 77 WABC. Five I'm seven. Justin Heller. Oh, there you are, Justin. Sorry. Yes, I am still here. <laughs> Much more to get to as we work our way up to 6 o'clock and sit in friends in the morning. Civil rights leaders rallying in Harlem yesterday, begging state lawmakers to fix those bail reform laws. And nail salon technicians, they were out yesterday rallying for safer work conditions. We'll get into that and more. But first at 520, a check of Wall Street. Here's Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Stocks are rebounding. Midweek, the Dow Jones Industrials up more than 300 points yesterday. First Republic Bank up 5%. Chip makers pushing the NASDAQ higher up more than 200 points. Micron stock up 7%. Manchester United earnings today. The soccer club's being shopped by its owners. Offers have reportedly come in well below the asking price. Investors curious about how it'll affect the full year performance. Elon Musk warning of the risk of artificial intelligence. An open letter sent this week urging laboratories to stop development of human-level intelligence systems. Risk outlined in the letter include jobs lost to AI and the, quote, loss of control of our civilization, end quote. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521. Of course, we're heading into another holiday season next week. Passover, Easter coming up soon. The NYPD says it's picking up patrols in the days ahead of Passover as reports of anti-Semitism on the rise. Cops say there are currently no credible threats as the Jewish community prepares for the holiday. Ends with every single New Yorker during Passover and beyond. And we will protect this hallowed right to N- worship freely. NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell there says extra patrols, additional officers going to be placed in and around places of worship. Your security during Passover will remain one of the NYPD's top priorities. And the NYPD Assistant Commissioner of Intelligence and Counterterrorism says no active threat. So that's a good thing. We are not aware of any reporting indicating a specific or credible or imminent threat to the Jewish community or its institutions this Passover. Yesterday, the uh, mayor announcing New York City launching a one-stop shop for city services and benefits. It's the first phase of what's called the My City Portal, and it's going to go live. They're rolling it out. Uh, you'll be able to do things like uh, child care applications, apply for school. This is going to be a fluent way of the delivery of goods and services, and we knew child care was the most important. So Mayor Adams says the website offers uh, 10 languages, allowing users to check eligibility, apply to an array of programs. The online portal also saves information and documentation for future use, so you upload it, it'll always be there. Apparently, the developers built the system from scratch and plan on expanding it to help job seekers and small businesses. Soon, everything will be on this. Have a unique, identifiable way of knowing who you are so you don't have to continue to go through the process of reintroducing yourself to a city agency or city government. 523. Up to uh, Harlem, civil rights leaders holding a rally in Harlem yesterday, pressuring state lawmakers to give judges more discretion to put the bad guys behind bars. Now, these are civil rights leaders 
who supported these people in Albany and now saying they're going to take that support away if they don't fix these bail reform laws and people who should be behind bars are put behind bars. It was a pretty voice, uh, a very uh, intense rally. I was looking for the right adjective. Intense might not be right, but it was intense. Make no mistake about it, Andrea Stewart Cousins. Say it again. We sent you to Albany. Carl Hasty, make no mistake about it. We sent you to Albany. Yes, yes. And just like we sent you to Albany, we can send you away from Albany. Yeah. So, uh, luminaries of the civil rights movement, including um, NCAA President Hazel Dukes, you could hear in the background as the Amen chorus there. Uh, Eric Gardner's mother, Gwen Carr. Bishop Raymond Rivera of the Latino Pastoral Action Center. All gathering. Now, these are people who supported these Democrats who are in Albany now saying, hey, if you don't fix bail reform, if you don't make a change that would end the requirement, the judges set the least restrictive bail for repeat offenders, they will make sure that these people don't get reelected. Paul Hasty signed the bill. Andrew Cousin Stewart signed the bill. It's not about we don't like you. We like our kids alive. Yeah. So uh, the group telling Assembly Speaker Hasty, Senate my uh, Majority Leader Stuart Cousins, who hold the cards, by the way, on this bail reform, to do something about it, make it part of this new budget, which is due by the end of the week. If we don't get this issue of public safety right now, mm-hmm. so many who are on the far right will use it to attack us. Uh, so 72% of New Yorkers support reforming bail reform as they are right now. But it seems like it's falling on deaf ears, at least for now. And Albany don't see any sign that they're going to change anything. 525, another rally yesterday. Nail salon technicians here in the city rallying for safer working conditions. They want the New York state lawmakers to approve a bill that would create an industry council to set standards, giving workers a seat at the table when decisions are made. These are single moms. These are sole breadwinners for their families. And that really puts their lives into turmoil. They do everything in the household and are the last to be taken care of, but are the first to feed their family. So advocates for these nail techs uh, dealing, they say they deal with stolen wages. Sometimes you walk into these places. I mean, I know it with my wife and you say, what's going on? Something funky's going on. Are they getting the tips? You're never really sure. Not all of them, but some of them. Advocates say nail techs are dealing with stolen wages. Of course, they breathe in those toxic chemicals that can cause all kinds of harm. Uh, So the New York, who knew there was such a thing? The New York Health Nail Salons Coalition says workers lose an average of $9,400 a year. This is probably mostly from owners stealing their money. A majority, of course, of the workforce is women. Exactly sure what she's saying, but here's one of them. We're hoping Governor Hochul, as a woman herself, can see that this is needed because we need our women protected, we need our people, our women supported, and we we need our women to thrive in this economy and in this industry. I'm always amazed if you go into those places. I'll drop my wife off, and there's people not where the people who work there full time are not wearing masks because it's so intense the smell in there. If you walk in for a half hour to get your nails done, no big deal. But eight, ten hours a day breathing that in, that can't be good for you. I'm just getting started on this Thursday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up to 6 o'clock and sit in friends in the morning. The MTA 
has brought in a psychiatrist to help make your subway ride safer. We'll hear from that psychiatrist. Governor Cuomo, back on 77 WABC last night, he was talking about his scandal. So you'll get to hear about that before the morning is out. And we're getting a piece of breaking news, and I'll have more of the information for you in just a moment. A Wall Street Journal reporter apparently has been detained by the Russians. We'll get to that in more, but first right now, WABC. ABC News Time is 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yeah, that's me. It is 531. Good morning. It is Thursday, March 30th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, cooler than it has been. The high 48. Tonight, overnight clear, low 37. Friday clouds, afternoon showers, high 56. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 33 and clear in Glen Cove, 35 in Asbury Park, and 32 and clear here in Midtown. Getting a piece of breaking news into the 77 WABC newsroom. Russian authorities say they've arrested a U.S. journalist who works for the Wall Street Journal on spying charges. Ivan or Evan Gershkovitz detained in uh, the mountains of... Uh, the Ural Mountains of it. I don't know how to say the name of this town. So this uh, coming into us, but uh, in a Russian town on suspicion of espionage in the interests of the American government. The uh, Russians accusing this reporter of collecting information constituting what they say a state secret about the activities of one of their enterprises in the Russian military industrial complex. Not exactly sure 100 percent what that means, but again, This is the big headline here is a Wall Street Journal reporter has been arrested and uh, being detained in Russia at this hour. Of course, as more details come into us and as I can figure out how to pronounce the name of this town, I will uh, pass that on to you. WABC Newstime 543. Were you listening to 77 WABC last night, 8 o'clock? Andrew Cuomo, former governor of New York, back on again. It was Katz and Cuomo. And John did a great job finally getting the governor to talk about all of his scandals because, well, that's what a lot of the listeners were angry about. They said they hadn't heard him talk about the nursing home scandal, uh, his sexual harassment, workplace sexual harassment scandal. So here he was last night talking about all those things. Here we'll concentrate about the sexual harassment case that forced him to resign. Hear how John very casually asked him about this and then... Cuomo sort of spills his beans, but doesn't completely apologize. I mean, how can they? What kind of crap is that? I mean, you're Italian, I'm Greek. Uh, I'm 28% Italian, by the way. And we kiss everybody. We go to weddings, we kiss everybody. Yeah. I mean, what is that all about? Well, John, again, you take the, the politics out of it. Uh, the facts were there were complaints. Uh, the legislature insisted that the attorney general do the investigation on the complaints. I said at the time uh, that I wanted an independent person to do it uh, who wasn't involved in politics. The attorney general does a report, says there are 11 cases. That started a media feeding frenzy. There were never 11 cases. 
if anybody ever read the report, by the way, uh, the 11 women don't even claim, uh, uh, all 11 don't even claim that they were harassed. Yeah, but but some do. So we should point that out. Uh, there was Brittany Comaso, a former aide, who privately reported that Cuomo had groped her at the state's executive mansion in late 2020. She said she came forward because she felt he was getting off too easy. But here's more from Governor Cuomo. The attorney general, a couple of weeks after I resign, announces for governor, surprise, surprise, uh, sends the report to five district attorneys across the state. These Democratic, Republican district attorneys, upstate, downstate, no cases from the 11. No cases from the 11. Well, he is right about that. But uh, more of these women, you know, some of them have come forward. Others say, you know, they don't want the publicity. But you had a Charlotte Bennett. That was one of the ones we had seen a lot from. She said... The governor made inappropriate remarks about her body, her sex life, some past trauma that I guess she had told the former governor about. But um, the governor says he's sorry. Look, uh, did I learn from it? Yes, because I did make a mistake. And my mistake was you talk about a kiss on the cheek. There is a generational, cultural, political shift in uh, people's uh, belief in what are personal barriers and proper behavior. Uh, I knew it intellectually, uh, but uh, I was not I was not attuned to it uh, enough. Okay. Uh, do we want more of this apology, or did? <laughs> Did you get the idea? All right. Surf on over because it was a great interview. They talk about the nursing home scandal, of course, more about the sexual harassment. And then he gives his opinion on some of the big stories of the day. The whole interview up at WABCRadio.com. Another great job done by our leader, John. And again, uh, I don't know if we'll hear more from Cuomo, but uh, possibly it'll be interesting to see. WABC News Time 536. Hey, let's talk about the current governor in New York State getting $100 million to help close the digital divide. Governor Hochul says the federal funding from the American Rescue Plan will help connect 100,000 households to affordable high-speed Internet. The pandemic really exposed how fundamentally Internet access is an inequity issue as well. Because without reliable Internet, you are disconnected from all the means to be lifted up. Right. Of course, she's been very quiet about all those scandals. Right? You didn't hear her say too much about Cuomo on the campaign trial, even since she's won her first term in office. WABC Newstime 539. A Democratic senator introducing a bill designed to make flying safer for passengers and air crews. The violence has to stop. Four years ago, there were about 150 investigations into air rage incidents. Last year, there were 831. That's crazy. 831 rage incidents, and probably that's not all of them that took places on planes. Uh, took place on planes. Rhode Island lawmaker there, Jack Reed, standing with airline workers as he talked about the provisions of this bill. The bill's main goal is to establish a no-fly list that would be administered by the TSA for passengers that become violent on flights. Uh, while anger about a mask mandate may have been the cause for some of the initial increase. Reed says the mandate ended last year and the incidents have continued at numbers that we've never seen before. Mass have nothing to do with the recent incidents of people trying to open aircraft doors mid-flight or stab crew members with food utensils. 
These actions would be shocking and unacceptable in any setting. You remember when it used to be pleasant to fly? Jeez. President Biden says democracies across the world are getting stronger, not weaker. Our job is to keep building on our progress so we don't start heading in the wrong direction again. To keep the momentum going. President kicking off this a virtual democracy summit with heads of state by announcing a $690 million commitment to help advance democracy around the world. Working in close cooperation with the United States Congress, we plan to add another $690 million for new funding for the presidential initiative over the next two years. Yeah, so these daily announcements, of course, just give you a clear indication that he's ramping up his campaign for 2024. My administration intends to work with Congress to commit $9.5 billion across all our efforts to advance democracy around the world. We're all safer when that occurs. He sounds like he has a little cold there, doesn't he? 541, let's bring it back home. MTA says subway ridership numbers are on pace to be the highest in March since prior to the pandemic. At a board meeting yesterday, the MTA chair, Jan Lieber says March is on track to hit 10 million more trips than the previous post-pandemic high in October. A huge factor in these positive trends has been the turnaround in subway safety led by Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams. Overall ridership numbers on the rise. They're still below pre-pandemic levels, though. Ridership and customer satisfaction are also growing because subway service has been, in a word, fantastic. Two straight months, north of 85% on-time performance. Yeah, lots of stuff going on with the MTA yesterday. So now they're going to extend a 90-minute rule that prohibits anyone from sitting on benches at the new Grand Central Madison. So you have a 90-minute limit. This is obviously to keep the homeless away. I'm pretty sure there's never been a ticket given for people sitting too long. Yeah, I don't know how you enforce this, but, uh, well, I guess police will put a time limit, a clock on it, if there's homeless people lying down. You can't lie down on benches, not even for a minute, apparently. I have to constantly be in... Uh, So uh, they're going to try to put that in place. And then, meantime, the... um, Oh, wait. Let's finish this. Convenience be carried out of stations by the NYPD. Uh, Okay, sorry about that. Oh, the... uh, the meantime, the MTA was doing something else yesterday. They were talking about making subway stations more accessible to disabled New Yorkers. And disabled New Yorkers say things haven't gotten a whole lot better for them. They have to plan their trips, of course, to go to subway stations where there's elevators. I have to constantly be inconvenienced, be carried out of stations by the NYPD. And the MTA turns a blind eye on it. Yeah, so what happens is you can imagine how infuriating this is you have to plan out your trip so you get to a subway station that has an elevator and then you get there and the elevator is not working they're always out of order just rampantly unreliable and you don't know till you get there they're going to build them in every station but they got to work the mta now promising 17 more stations will get elevators over the next few years in a bid to eventually make the entire system 95 percent accessible we're way off from that but they that's their aim anyway and then mta officials bringing in a psychiatrist yesterday dr charles marmer to talk to board members about the agency's efforts to save lives by keeping riders from jumping onto tracks. Apparently, this is happening more than it ever has. So they thought, let's bring in a psychiatrist. Maybe they can help us figure out what is going on here. I really like the idea of creating a more calming and more controlled environment in the subway system. MTA officials are testing the use of blue LED lights, which studies have suggested can prevent suicides. Now, 
you might have the same reaction I did. Really? But apparently they've tested this out in places around the world, and it works. The blue LED lights will roll out in subway and metro north stations later this year. Studies have found that blue lighting can reduce the incidence of suicide or attempts to suicide by providing a calming psychological effect. Yeah, and they need this. The MTA reports that in the first four months of 2022, there were 105 cases where a train hit a rider. 27 of them were suicides or suicide attempts. So you'll start seeing this blue light. I don't totally understand exactly how it works, but they say they think it'll bring down those numbers. Let's hope it does. 545 now. Let's move over to the 77WABC Sports Desk. It's opening day for the Yankees. Is this their year, uh, Justin Ellick? Well, I'd say so. No, I'm laden. I am a Yankee fan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to the game Saturday and uh, Sunday as of now. Weather's not looking too hot on Saturday, but I pulled trigger on that front, so we'll see. But, uh, yes, opening day today, San Francisco Giants. They'll pay the Yankees a visit at 105 this afternoon. That'll be Logan Webb against Garrett Cole. And the Mets, they're at 410 p.m. Later on this afternoon, that'll be Ace Max Scherzer going up against Sandy Alcantara. But uh, in terms of local action, last night at the Garden, the Knicks made it two straight wins with their 101-92 victory over the Miami Heat. Emmanuel quickly scored 24 points, and Quentin Grimes had 23 as the Knicks inch closer to a playoff berth. Jalen Brunson eased back into action with 12 points after his two-game absence, but the win wasn't priceless as the Knicks lost another star in Julius Randle, left the game in the or late in the first half with a sprained uh, left ankle. Up next for the Knicks is a trip to Cleveland to tip it off with the Cavaliers tomorrow night in Brooklyn. The Nets grabbed a win as well, besting the Houston Rockets by a score of 123 to 114. It's about time we had a Brooklyn leading scorer not named Mikel Bridges, and that was Cam Johnson last night with his 31 points in 36 minutes on the floor. Bridges was no slouch either, going for 27 and route to the win, thanks in part to the aforementioned Knickerbockers. The Nets lead over the Miami Heat for the number six spot in the East, grows to one and a half games. We'll see if that lead will continue to swell come tomorrow night when the Nets host the Atlanta Hawks over to the ice where the Islanders squeaked out a 2-1 road victory over the Washington Capitals. It took a shootout for the Isles to seal the deal in this one with Kyle Palmieri burying the eventual game winner. Here's Kyle Palmieri, second shooter for the Islanders. Palmieri, right-handed shot, and he scores left side on Kemper. And the Islanders 2-for-2 two two in the shootout and a save away from a victory. That call courtesy of TNT tender Ilya Sorokin would deny Washington's Nicholas Backstrom thereafter. The Isles take the win to Tampa, where they'll face it off with the Lightning on a Saturday night. Looking ahead to local ice hockey action tonight, the Rangers and Devils, they get set to face off with each other at 7 p.m. out in Jersey. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Allen. All right, let's catch you up on some of the biggest stories of the morning. Two of them are breaking stories overnight. Russian authorities have detained an American reporter for the Wall Street Journal on espionage charges. This just coming out moments ago. Russia's top security agency says Ivan Gerskovich arrested in the Ural Mountains for allegedly trying to obtain classified information. The security service alleges that Gerskovich was collecting classified information about the activities of one of the enterprises of what they call the Russian military industrial complex. And they say that constitutes a state secret. So he is in Russian custody at this hour. The other baking story overnight, several deaths have been reported after two U.S. Army Blackhawk helicopters 
helicopters crashed during a training incident in Kentucky. They were from the 101st involved in this accident. The crash unfolding about 11 o'clock our time. This is a little west of the Army base in Fort Campbell. Kentucky State Police on the scene at this hour, along with military investigators and several other agencies. We don't know the death toll. Uh, I imagine they'll reach out to the families first before they give us those numbers, but I imagine we'll hear them as the morning wears on. And then last night in Nashville, Tennessee, they were remembering those lives lost in the school shooting. Victims of this week's deadly school shooting remembered candlelight ceremony. Mayor John Cooper, mayor of Nashville here. Our heart is broken. Our city united as we mourn together. Jill Biden, the first lady, was among the group of mourners last night. They saluted the officers, those incredibly brave officers who raced into the Covenant School and probably stopped a lot of other deaths from taking place. Our city and our whole nation is so proud of you. Your service inspires all of us. You are our heroes. Your bravery will never be forgotten. And the Nashville Police Chief John Drake, who we've gotten to know over the last couple days, speaking out as well. An extreme tragedy, and this is certainly one, Nashville comes together like no other place to comfort those who have suffered an unspeakable loss. Yeah. WABC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, what annoys me about that is that? Uh, Jill Biden's there last night, and they're honoring the cops who did a great job. Don't kid yourself. They still hate the cops. The Bidens hate the cops. These Democrat political leaders hate the cops. So uh, all that is very disingenuous. And uh, I love the cops. Congratulations to those guys in Nashville. But coming from the Bidens means nothing. Did you, I mean, you watch that video and you're like, geez, how heroic are these guys? Oh, amazing. I mean, amazing. The bullets are flying in their yeah. direction. They're running towards it. And... Just, you know, hey, listen, we don't incredible. have to go to Nashville to see that. We had no, guys in this true. city 23 years ago climbing up a building that yeah. was burning and they knew it would fall down. Yep. So I'm sorry about the guys in Uvalde, Texas, but the Bidens and all these Democrat leaders, the one to defund police and continue to demonize police. Don't give me that nonsense in Nashville last night. It is disingenuous. means nothing to me. All right. 552. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my editorial on that. I can't, yeah, and, and yeah. my job is not to. Uh, you know, wait till Mark Levin gets his ass kicked today, too. <laughs> oh, That's coming up. I can't wait for that. The average one. <laughs> the average one. <laughs> okay, uh, Sid will be Sid will be here, and obviously already they've already let him out of the gate. So there you go. The former CEO of Starbucks facing a grilling on Capitol Hill yesterday. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders leading the charge, giving his thoughts about Starbucks. Starbucks has waged the most aggressive and illegal union busting campaign in the modern history of our country. Howard Schultz on the hot seat being questioned over the coffee chain's alleged union busting efforts. Sanders says Starbucks has broken the law 130 times across six states since workers began trying to organize back in 2021. He said workers have been terminated for trying to organize. Uh, Schultz stepped down as CEO just before the hearing but remains on the board of directors. That union busting campaign has been led by Howard Schultz the multi-billionaire founder and director of Starbucks, who is with us this morning only under the threat of subpoena. By the way, Howard Schultz pushing back against that whole idea that he's doing this because he's a billionaire. And he, he said to Bernie Sanders, it was a great moment. I'm sorry, I don't have this cut off to go find it. But he basically said, 
you know, I'm self-made. I know you want to go after me because I'm a billionaire, but he says, I give away a lot of my money and I'm self-made. I came from nothing. He's like, I came from the projects and I made the money myself. So you can slap me all you want around for being a billionaire, but I did it on my own. Pope Francis has a respiratory infection and will be hospitalized for several days. Reporter Deborah Lovov is in the Vatican. There was no sign of anything in particular different. He seemed fine. Yeah, uh, this is the first we had heard of it was yesterday. Apparently he's been sick for a little while. I had met with him uh, during a private audience a few days ago, a few weeks ago, and he seemed perfectly fine. Yeah, so the Pope is 86 years old. Apparently he's having difficulty breathing. He'll stay in the hospital until they remedy whatever is wrong. Uh, it is spring, and so that means uh, Luna Park in Coney Island is about to open. Yesterday, the inspectors from the city's Department of Buildings were out checking all the rides. Uh, Joe Mingoya uh, is um, the ride supervisor. I did, who knew they had this job within the Department of Building? He's in charge of checking rides at amusement parks across the city. He's been in this line of work for 10 years. He prides himself on not missing any details, thank God. Yesterday, he was at Coney Island testing out the flume ride. That's that ride where you sit in a boat and you on the water and it takes you to the top of the hill and you go down the hill and you get all wet. So he was testing that ride out yesterday. So what we need to inspect is, first of all, importance, the pH and chlorine levels of the water. Um, we need to inspect the conveyor belt that these run on. And you see how test dummies on the inside can make sure that it can take the weight capacity. Also, we need to make sure on the ramps that you see going up that the anti-rollback system is working. Yeah, you see this guy and you realize, oh, I, I'm, you're, it's comforting because he's testing out everything. They're putting test dummies on the ride. He's riding it, making sure that everything works on the flume and all the other rides at Luna Park. I don't want to get a phone call, cough a bit of a child hurt, or it could be my kid. You know, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, so uh, Luna Park, by the way, opens on April 1st. Is that right? Yeah. It opens on April 1st. Uh, doors open. So all the rides apparently have checked out. And now finally, Bobby and Nikki Erkeline had no idea a photographer had captured them in a tender embrace shrouded in a quilt at the Woodstock Music Festival back in 1969. And the only reason they found out the photographer had caught this image was it ended up on the cover of the official Woodstock album. And they've been this celebrated couple over the years. Well, sadly, Bobby, the wife, she passed away at 73 this week. But she had spoken many times about what it was like to be on this iconic album and this part of this, you know, iconic picture of what Woodstock was all about. I am just very thankful and I feel very grateful that I have been able to share this experience with the man I've loved for 50 years. I am so happy and thankful to be a little part of the whole Woodstock experience. I think the further I get away from the event, the more I realize what a phenomenal thing it was. Yeah, the couple uh, together for over 50 years. God, who cares? Uh, I care. Okay, sorry. So uh, Nikki and Bobby <laughs> sat on their porch. Don't you have a show at 6 o'clock to do? <laughs> Uh, I'm bored right now, so. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. I think this is a great story because they were 20 years old, yeah. and they were sitting on their porch. They yeah. lived near the Woodstock Festival, listening to Wall So does my mother. My mother lives one mile away from um, from the actual Yazgur's farm of the Woodstock But she wasn't, place. she wasn't there back in 1969, though. Yes, she was. Oh. So were my two sisters. And they didn't go? But they actually left. They went on and had lives, not walking around with Grateful Dead t-shirts and smoking <laughs> the same weed. 
Well, God. okay. Well, they were listening to wall radio, and they yeah. heard all the commotion, and they even heard the announcers on the radio say, don't go to the concert, because it was so packed, but they right. went anyway. Yeah. And then they ended up on the cover of that album. How cool of a story is that? Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Can I put a? Can I? Can you turn off his microphone between five and six? <laughs> Believe me, I've tried for years. Maybe Levin's right. Yeah, right. I'm a weasel. <laughs> what did you call him? Uh, the average one. The average one. Yeah. <laughs> That's for now on on the show. He's the average one. <laughs> this is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.